Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, we're on with Anna, who is the community manager, and Brooks, who is the developer over at Ponderware, the infamous creators of the Mooncats. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Doing well. Thanks for joining me. Well, if you could, please just give us uh, a little bit of your background, who you guys are, just in a couple sentences, if you could. Sure. Um, so yes, I'm Brooks, uh, also go by Midnight Lightning um, online. Um, I am a developer um, and both a UI UX uh, sort of web developer it has been my, my training and trade in the projects that I've been uh, involved in. And I got into the cryptocurrency sort of space in of around 2012, working with uh, the original Bitcoin and some of its altcoins and doing development for those. Um, and so through that process, got involved with Ethereum and uh, local meetup groups that uh, I started doing some educational presentations. And right about the time that the Mooncat project launched in 2017, I was working on several presentations for, for educating people about how the Ethereum network worked. And when I saw the Mooncat project uh, come up, I believe it was on one of my Reddit feeds or it was cross-promoted there. Um, I was not aware of the project on the first day it launched. Uh, unfortunately, I was a, a day four or day five, depending on how you count from the contract was launched and then unlocked on separate days. So a few days later, um, I found it. I, with my art background and coding background, um, I was intrigued by the project of its combination of generative uh, artworks and how the actual minting process uh, emulated the uh, the mining process, the proof of work process of cryptocurrency blocks. And so dove into it, uh, did some analysis of the contract and wrote up and got interested in it. And then saw that not a lot of other people were getting interested in it and kind of let it uh, peter out um, until earlier this year. Uh, and then after the rediscovery and the fact that there now was a community, um, I officially did join the Ponderware team in April. Uh, the original two developers invited me to join the team and I've been working with them since. Gotcha. Very cool. So you're not the original developer. They're the original developers. They're still working on the project. Correct. They brought you on to help out. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right, Anna, please. Yeah, sure. So I'm Anna Marie, otherwise known as Paws on the Discord. Um, I am the community manager for Ponderware. And I kind of was part of this chain of rediscovery where um, Brooks told the developers that, hey, Mooncats are back. Um, they hired him. And then they realized shortly afterwards, oh, hey, we actually need someone to like manage all of this growing community. And I I've known Brooks for about a decade in real life. And jokingly, years ago, I said to him, hey, if you ever need a community manager, hit me up um, because I've been a community manager in the video game industry for about 15 years at this point. And so in April, he came to me and said, hey, actually, um, I'm going to take you up on that offer. We're, we're hiring a community manager. Are you interested in applying for the position? And I, I had been in crypto, the crypto space since about 2018. I'd done a little bit of mining. I'd done a little bit of speculative buying and selling of cryptocurrency, but I hadn't gotten into NFTs. And so he came to me and said, well, are you interested in an NFT? And I said, well, let me think about it. And I thought about it and I applied and I ended up getting the job. Very cool. Congratulations. So Thank this you. was your um, first brush with NF uh, NFTs? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, I, I had heard about them when there was like this renaissance in March and I kind of looked into them and I was like, well, my dilemma was, is I didn't know what to buy first. And then I felt like, oh, well, 
there's so many coming out now and there's so many that are being rediscovered. How do I buy the one, the right one? How do I not make a mistake? And so I was kind of like getting to the point where I was ready to buy, buy one and pull the trigger. And then Brooks came to me and said, Hey, I actually work for an NFT now. Come join me. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it seems appropriate that I say my personal Mooncat story, maybe not as exciting, but I definitely <laughs> saw it on Twitter around like the day that people were finding it again. And I minted, I rescued six Mooncats and nice. only recently acclimated them about a week ago. Yay! Uh, so they are safely back on earth and they even have spaceships now which we will, <laughs> we will get to in the, <laughs> shortly um so brooks uh, was what was attracting you to the project uh initially was there any was there anything in particular thought oh wow this is really cool i mean back in 2017 right well well first off they're cats which are awesome and so yeah, I mean, <laughs> take your points right away for that. Um, and then, as I mentioned, yeah, the, the generative nature of it, the idea of that as a developer, when I looked at their contract and realized what they were doing with how, how the randomization factor was, that it wasn't really a random one once you have, once your computer has gone through the searching process, which was actually the same sort of algorithms as doing a proof of work mining algorithm, and it found a solution to that algorithm that input string, which because of the proof of work algorithm is pretty much an ASCII garbage, you know, ran a seemingly random string of characters that if you choose to accept it and turn it into a mooncat, that actually becomes the mooncat's DNA of how the appearance of the mooncat is chosen. And so that idea of instead of just saying, okay, do, how many mooncats do you want to purchase or, or mint onto the chain? It actually was saying, well, here's a Mooncat you found. Do you want this one or do you want to go find another one? And that sort of user choice was very intriguing to me. Um, they, the Mooncat project launched right after the CryptoPunks project. And I was aware of that one and that sort of minting process of, oh yeah, you get CryptoPunk number 1001 or whatever the ID number is assigned to you. And, you, and then you get that particular graphic. Whereas this one, this idea of you have the choice as part of the minting process of do you want this one or do you want to try again uh sort of a process uh seemed very innovative to me and uh was why i dove right into the project and and rescued several there picking the ones that i thought were very attractive which were blue okay blue is rare okay gotcha um so this is a loaded question but is mooncats the first generative art on ethereum um, <laughs> but I think that comes down to, yeah, the term generative has been thrown around and it's the question of what do you mean by generative? I mean, generated, something has to generate it. Usually when people mention that they're talking about some sort of algorithm or AI process or computer code generating the thing. And so from the Mooncats perspective, yes, the DNA, which is, could be thought of as, you know, computer instructions of draw a Mooncat that looks like this is actually what feeds into how the Mooncat looks. The code, if you look at that DNA string or that hexadecimal string, all of the information for is this cat red or green is in there. All the information of is it facing left or right? Is it a striped or spotted or pure coat? That's all in there. As opposed to a lot of the other NFT projects where they say, oh, I have NFT number 1201. In order to figure out what that actually means, you need to reference their fixed graphic for it, that there's nothing in that identifying number that tells you what 
traits that one particular has. Um, so in that sense of can you generate the graphic and appearance and traits from its original source thing? Yes. So there you go. We have the definitive answer right here, right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I appreciate the explanation. Uh, and what's interesting about the moon cats is that actually, if you generated a moon cat and you didn't rescue it, it's possible that that cat just never gets rescued, right? Correct. Right. There's 4 billion possibilities of moon cats all said and done, and 25,440 were rescued. So actually minus 96. So did you rescue any, Anna Marie? I did not. I, I came in after the fact. And so um, the interesting thing is, is one of my first things that I got to do as the community manager of Ponderware is go buy a wrapped moon cat and acclimate it so that I sort of had my own experience of doing that because we were in the process of moving people from the old unofficial wrapper to the official wrapper and that's called acclimated. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so what was the experience like? I don't know if you were there, Anna Marie, maybe Brooks was maybe more tapped in at that point, just getting excited about a project that you probably hadn't seen in a couple years. Just like, oh, I have a couple of those. That's this is getting picked up. I'm I'm curious, what was that like from your perspective? Sure, it was, it was definitely exciting. Um, and yeah, one of those things where all the sorts of projects or investments that you that you come across in your life that you make that choice of do you want to buy into it or or at what level you want to buy into it you hope that there's some sort of long term payoff to it and yeah for me it was the yeah the project that i spent you know perhaps 3 to 5 dollars for each cat rescuing them in 2017 because that was the gas cost back then to rescue them onto the chain ended up paying some healthy dividends um and so just watching the excitement um, grow. Uh, I was glad to just see the community form around it uh, was was a big thing. That day of discovery or rediscovery, um, I actually was not on Twitter that day and noticing that um, it was happening. I wasn't following those uh, people at the moment. And so all of my streams weren't showing it. I actually only got looped in by a contact of a contact who had made uh, contact with me back in 2017 pinged me via a Facebook group that had been created for Mooncats to let me know that something had happened. Um, so my excitement was mainly scrolling back backwards through the Twitter feeds, realizing what had happened uh, six hours after it happened. Um, and that was a, a Friday night that we, you know, with my family, we were having our pizza and movie night as a typical Friday night and wondering why my phone kept going off um, as people realized that I had been involved in the project previously. Um, so the biggest thing for me was actually seeing the community come together, having you know, years of having a few passionate people interested in it and talking about the tech and the art with just those few people, then seeing more people care about the lore and the culture and the, the experience behind it. Um, it's the, in the real world, I haven't really like been into like antiques or that sort of like finding something old and rare, but now realizing, yeah, the thing that I did three years ago is old and rare. Um, in this space is a is a new experience. Absolutely. So I want you to take me through getting in touch with Ponderware and then how you reached out to Anna Marie. What was that like? And then I want to hear Anna Marie's perspective of that phone call telling her to jump onto the Mooncat train. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I had uh, I had 
direct contact with the developers back in 2017 when I wrote, um, as a developer, I did a big breakdown of their smart contract again, because that at that time I was doing a lot of focus and still am on education and trying to, as a developer, help the average user understand enough of what was going on in Ethereum to be comfortable working with a smart contract. And so I wrote a big blog post about here's exactly what their smart contract is doing. Me as a third party developer, I'm analyzing it. It's essentially like doing an audit of their code. Nowadays, lots of big projects you know, officially and formally audit their code. Back then it was more people were publishing stuff and if people wanted to review it, they could. So I started with doing that sort of audit of their code. And that got their attention and they made direct contact with me over Reddit. And so I had a contact to them that way. And so when the rediscovery happened that first night, because I was involved very early, I got mistaken for the, the original developers. And so I had to backpedal from that and, and let people know if, yeah, I was, I was an early user, but not the original developers. And then I used that previous conversation thread I had to get in touch with them to let them know, Hey, um, that thing you made is is of interest now. Do you want to come into the Discord that this community has brought into life to do so? And the first thing they said, well, we need to make Discord accounts. I, I think only one of them had a Discord account. The other one didn't even have a Discord set up yet. Wow. Um, so step one, learn the, the new tools of, yeah, in 2017, a lot of the crypto projects were on Reddit, and that was the main communication platform. Yeah, now trend pivoting towards Discord as a very active communication platform was a was a step one um, that needed to happen there. Well, it's clear to me why you reached out to Anna Marie at this point, because the founders not having Discord is probably not going to do well for the community. So you reach out, you say, listen, we got to jump on this train. So Anna Marie, what were you what were you thinking at that time? Did, I mean, you hadn't this is the first time I'm assuming you heard about Mooncats. So take me it through was. The, take me through that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And so, you know, Brooks came to me and he was like, you know, that joke you made to me like so many years ago, um, I'm totally taking you up on it. You know, here's the job requirements. Is this something you're interested in? Let's interview for it. And it was kind of interesting to hear sort of the team talk about like what it was like four years ago when they launched, because Brooks did this like huge analytical um, post on Reddit and it got like six upvotes and like one of them was Ponderware and I think two of them were a couple of your friends, Brooks. And so <laughs> that poor, of course, um, the, the upvotes on it are frozen now because of the age. And so like that poor post sitting at six upvotes forever. But you think about it, 2017, like Discord was a thing that gamers did and Telegram was a thing that furries did. And there weren't any real tech communities on either of those platforms. And so, you know, um, one of the things that kind of we immediately had to do when I was hired was like, all right, we don't control the Discord. We don't control any of the Twitter um, handles associated with the project. How do we as a company, you know, build that community that is, is already sort of building itself and we do it in a harmonious way? Because, you know, as Ponderware, the last thing that we wanted to do is come in and be like, well, we're the original devs. So you have to listen to us because that's not the way NFTs work. Yeah. And so, you know, building that relationship with the community was so important to us when they brought me on. And that was really my focus for the first few months that I was with Ponderware. So you, you pretty much jumped in as soon as it was rediscovered? Um, so I think, I, uh, think May, the start of May. Yeah, so about two that months sounds after right. The two months. Okay, yeah. cool. 
All right. So what was your background in community um, up until this point? And like, what were you doing um, as far as community building, in, not in the NFT space or not in the yeah. crypto space? Um, so I actually started as a community manager um, in, believe it or not, free-to-play Korean MMORPGs. Okay. And so that was in 2005 when sort of those type of games were like really starting to make a dent in the North American market. WoW was out, but people are starting to get a little tired of it. And so, you know, as a community manager back in 2005, I, Twitter like barely existed. Um, the pages that I managed were like a, a forum and a MySpace and a Friendster. And wow. so <laughs> it's sort of been interesting taking the, the journey uh, all the way through social media um, in the last like 16 years because uh, Twitter explodes, Facebook becomes a platform, like um, Telegram exists and all of these things, you know, Reddit, uh, Dig rises and falls, Reddit rises and falls. Like there's all of these things that have happened and sort of keeping on top of that has been a fun ride. And so, um, you know, I've, I've actually run my own business for about 10 years now. I support a, support a lot of smaller video game companies that they don't need someone nine to five in the office taking care of their Twitter account. They might need someone to like write up their schedules and then I hand them off to someone internally. So it's all, it's a lot of variety of work. Some, some clients, I basically am given the keys and told to buzz off and do whatever I want. And then there's other clients that they're super involved. They have a really firm idea of what they want. I write things up and I hand them off. Got it. So you kind of run um, a social media marketing business. Yep. Gen generally. Although um, I'm actually in the process of winding that down because as of next week, I will be the full-time community manager at Putterware. Well, congratulations. Best of luck with that, with that role. I'm curious. I'm so excited. Uh, awesome. I mean, it's a, it's, it's going to be very cool. I mean, one, aside from the tools that you mentioned, uh, Friendster, MySpace, etc. <laughs> what is the difference between running a community pre-crypto and post-crypto? Is there any different styles, uh, any philosophies that you need to employ? I'm just curious. Um, I think a lot of lessons that I learned in the video game community definitely translate into the crypto space. Um, there's definitely a lot of like... Um, sort of culture there that is totally different. So like the good morning movement, that's that's something that's super crypto. I 100% love it. I'm totally into it. It does not exist in the video game space at all. And, you know, there's there's all that terminology you have to pick up and you have to figure out, all right, what's an influencer versus um, what's like a, a voice in the community? What's the difference between the two of those? Who's buying moon cats? Who's not buying moon cats? Why or why aren't they? It's a lot of reading and a lot of writing reports. <laughs> That's interesting. So you're trying to build um, like an audience, a, a profile of an individual who would be active and participate and something like that? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you have to look at a community as sort of three different forks where you have the veteran, whether that's someone that rescued in 2017 or was part of the rediscovery, you have new people that came in after the rediscovery, but are still really excited for the project. And then you have people that haven't bought a Mooncat yet, but could be part of your community because they're interested in it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd say, and from a developer perspective, that idea that because um, I've done both traditional software development and now crypto software development, the crypto space being in a space where even the the user experience or how the user interacts with the thing is new enough that you have to be part of you know reaching your audience and and educating them is also on the level of just teaching them how to use the the infrastructure. I was like, nowadays we can kind of assume that everyone knows how to you know use a mouse and click around a web browser. But like in order to even reach people who, hey, do you want to buy a Mooncat? You need to first say, well, we'll also understand, you know, what's MetaMask and the fact that MetaMask is like not us. And if there's a bug in MetaMask, we can possibly help, but that's not our code base. But it's integral to, you know, how you might want to interact with things. People have reflexes of like how email, you can have an email address at Yahoo or an email address at Google, and they're both the same thing, but the but different providers, but people aren't yet at the level of knowing, oh, you could have a MetaMask wallet or you can have a Rainbow wallet or an Argent wallet. And you know they're the same thing. And teaching people that new user experience before you can even start to pitch your product on top of that platform um, is a challenge that the crypto space has. And that's still, you know, as part of the growing pains of it's a brand new, you know, as sometimes it gets labeled web 3.0, people need to learn how to first interact with that layer before even they would be interested in the product that's built on that layer. And we definitely are sort of learning as we go along. So for example, we did, and we'll talk about it later, I bet, but we did a Luprints launch lately where you had to have a Mooncat in order to claim this other NFT and just um, troubleshooting all of the um, ledger issues because there was the hard fork in London and it sort of made uh, problems with MetaMask and some of the, the ledgers out there like hard wallets. And so, you know, nailing down like all of the solutions for people definitely translates from my video game experience because if you buy a PC game and it doesn't work on your computer, you go to the developer's discord and someone from the team troubleshoots it for you. And so I spent a lot of time troubleshooting hard wallets in the last 10 days, which was not something that I expected out of the crypto community, but it was really, really fun and informative for us. There's an interesting tension between developing something that is just easy to use versus developing something that just how this is how the tech works and we're going to educate users on how to use it. I, I'm wondering how you're approaching that problem. I mean, if it, it feels like in order for crypto to be usable by masses, it's just going to have to be like an iPhone, basically plug and play. Nobody really needs to care about MetaMask, just going to click a couple buttons and you buy your Mooncat, whatever it is. Or are you, how, how do you work like through that? Attention. And I do like one of the intriguing things that I've liked about this project is that they use the lore of the project to kind of help with that education mm-hmm. to get people to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, with all you know blockchain-based applications, if you take an action and it needs to be submitted on chain, it takes some time, variable amount of time, depending on which blockchain you're on of, of getting it into a block. And so there's been you know sort of many UIs of trying to figure out how to show that to a user of this takes time. Um, with the Mooncat project, the idea of minting a Mooncat was labeled as searching for a Mooncat. And whereas, you know, like the web 2.0 world would have like loading or waiting sort of thing, people understand the concept of if you're searching for something and you don't know where it is, it could take a variable amount of time. If you're searching for your keys and you don't know where they are, it could take you 10 seconds to find it, or it could take you 10 minutes. And so the leaving up a, a indicator on screen of your, your computer is currently searching um, 
I think helps set the context of what the user could expect that this will take some time and it'll be a variable amount of time. And the project has continued that sort of use the lore to help people understand what it's doing as a way for if people want to dive more into like peek under the hood of see what's actually being done there. There are some direct parallels of yeah, this is a proof of work algorithm. It's not as robust as what you know the Bitcoin uh, proof of work uh, algorithm is, but it's toyed down a little bit so that your browser can do it and you can see the concepts and learn them if you want to by just looking under the hood um, of some of these more fun names that people can relate to from you know, the non-crypto world and finding a a good term to to reflect that in the lore of the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying. Yeah, we've seen other projects like um, Rabbit Hole. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's specifically trying to educate people by doing these on-chain actions. So in a way, Mooncats is also educating by providing this narrative around like the journey of the cat. You have to search for it, then you have to acclimate it. All these words. You know, instead of saying wrapped, you say acclimated. Oh, acclimated. Okay, it's 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 in the Earth's atmosphere now. I get it. Okay, <laughs> that's that cool. I like that. That idea of of showing, yeah, the reason why Mooncats needed to be wrapped, of that because they were created in 2017 before a lot of what we would call NFT before the term NFT was really standardized and the standards of what should an NFT do were set. They were created before that. So all of the tools that expect an NFT to do X, Y, and Z, the Mooncat original tokens don't. They mainly have functions that have different names, more cat-specific ones. And so, yeah, the acclimator wrapper function is basically a way to say, oh, it's the mapping of what the standard says should be transfer. Actually, on the original one is called give cat. And so it's that translation of the various actions. And so wrapping the Mooncat or acclimating it getting it used to its new environment. Yeah, we try to give that concept of it is still the same thing. It is now just more attuned to a new environment. It behaves in a way that the environment, you know, it, or that is beneficial to being in that environment as opposed to a different environment. So you guys also introduced um, all sorts of accessories for the cats once they've been acclimated. I'm curious how you how you introduce that from a development perspective and also from a community perspective. Sure. The the idea of the accessories and the website that is the boutique uh, for the Moon Cats uh, was one of the original. Uh, as the community started to uh, uh, gather around and realizing. You know, what do they want to do with their Mooncat now that they have rescued it? And what are some fun things to do? Um, a parallel that was drawn to a lot of the other NFT projects are that other NFT projects often have accessories or traits that set the different uh, individual members of the project apart from each other. Whereas Mooncats, they're all felines. The things that set them apart are more their body traits. You know, Do they have stripes or spots? What color are they? Uh, and so people indicated, yeah, if a mooncat was wearing a hat, that would be a little bit more distinguishable, or I would like to reflect my own personal style and have my mooncat be wearing a hat. And so we, in seeing that passion in the community, started working towards this project of, yeah, can we have people choose and be able to set their own style of how I want this to portray me as an owner, um, my pet, you know, dressing up my, my pet cat uh, sort of a thing. And so the way that we approached it from the technical perspective was we had seen that people were 
were very intrigued by on-chain representations that everything would be visible on-chain. So we strove from a technical point to have all of the data for the accessories be on-chain. And that is the case now of the, the raw information about when an accessory is designed and it is put up for sale, it is saved onto the blockchain as a ping graphic um, split apart into a couple of pieces for minimizing the gas cost. Um, but they are all on chain. And so that can be all of the accessories can be reconstituted into a, a ping of what they look like from the on chain data. And we also wanted it to be not just us being the gatekeepers, again, getting back to like what Anna Marie said of like, not wanting to just say, you know, we as developers completely know what's best and no one else can have any other ideas for this, um, to actually build the boutique as a platform for others to potentially make a name for themselves that if there was someone who maybe even didn't even own a mooncat but was a designer and wanted to make a name for themselves making accessories for mooncats and pitch it to other mooncat owners that it'd be in that sense like an app store that other developers could add to this platform and that we would just be the facilitation layer of this accessory designed by this other address is available for sale under these conditions and we set up the accessories store the boutique to allow also the control of whoever creates it can set the price, can set however many there are if you want to do a limited run. And that that allows people to make their own name for themselves or to add meaning behind some of these accessories. Some of them are limited run and therefore mean certain things to Mooncats that have them. Some are free and available to all of them and are just for fun and perhaps have a more casual rarity uh, to them. And it's fine that we have everything in between. Yeah, Anna Marie, how do you go about getting feedback once these, you know, accessories are up? How do you make sure that the community is happy? I mean, what what does the process look like when launching additional aspect, new features, if you will? Um, you know, I I am definitely the conduit from the community to the developers, so I'm sort of their champion among the the dev team. So, you know, we have a meeting every week. We talk about the community, what they want, what our plans are, where we're going. Does this fit with sort of the the model that we've demonstrated to the community? You know, um, the, ex the accessories we originally thought about as just accessories. And, you know, we were talking, we sort of um, dropped the idea on the community at the start of June, where we announced that like, hey, if you acclimate your Mooncat early, you will get an accessory when the accessory launches and only people that will, that are in the official wrapper get it. And so there will be a finite amount of these. There will never be any more of them. Mooncats that have them will be special. And so we were designing this like accessory maker and this accessory shop. And then we realized like, hey, we shouldn't just limit it to accessories. There are people that are talking about like, what if I make a background for my moon cat? Is, is the accessory maker going to um, support that? And so we kind of pivoted from these are going to be accessories to this is going to be a boutique where you dress up your moon cat, you put on a background, you can put on stuff and you can put on something like 65,000 layers in front of and behind your moon cat. And you can decide um, what accessories layer on top of other accessories so that you can 100% design the moon cat to look the way that you want it to. And a lot of those ideas came from just listening to the community and then me bringing them to the dev team. It's like, hey, can we do X? And the answer was, yeah, sure, let's add it to the project. And so, you know, we developed the boutique as Ponderware, but it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good if we didn't have feedback from the community. 
so far. And it's kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Um, I think the thing that's amazing is like, I think Ponderware has designed 10 out of the 900. Uh, I actually think we're really close to a thousand at this point. I think we're 968 as of this morning. Um, and like seeing um, artists sort of blossom on the boutique and, you know, you go into the discard and you see like, oh, Digivatar is going to drop another accessory. And um, oh, Digivatar made uh, tuxedos because there's a Sotheby's auction and you have to dress up as, uh, in a tuxedo to go to a Sotheby's auction. And so all the moon cats are dressing up in tuxedos now. Or hey, Tusk Tusk has made a new mech that your moon cat can have. And everybody gets excited for it because Tusk Tusk has amazing designs. They're always limited run. The people absolutely adore them. And you know we have Kimonis who designed a whole bunch of our launch accessories that were available the first day of the boutique launched. And people love the helmets that he made. He actually designed the early acclimator helmet for us. So it's kind of amazing to see like these people crop up um, that like Digivatar was designing accessories for Mooncats before the boutique was a twinkle in our eye. And Tustus came into the community as an artist who actually didn't own a Mooncat and through his designs on the boutique has now purchased several of them. The, the American the American dream or the Mooncat <laughs> moon dream. I don't know. The Mooncat <laughs> dream. I love it. Yes. Well, what has been some of the challenges in community building? Hmm. I mean, I, I think it's true of all communities that everybody sort of has an idea that they want. And sometimes those ideas are not compatible or harmonious either with each other or with what the dev team behind the project wants. Um, but we definitely still need to consider it. And we need to really consider it and not just pay lip service to, yeah, we thought about it, but no. And so, you know, making sure that people understand that, hey, I'm, I'm the community manager. I am hired specifically to listen to you guys and to promote your ideas to the dev team. Even if the answer to something is no, because we've decided to, we're going in a different direction, we still love that feedback. It is really important to us. Yeah, definitely a big part of any crypto project is community and at the end of the day people just want to feel like they've been heard even if it doesn't matter even if the idea isn't implemented necessarily that their thoughts were communicated and that 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 gives a good feeling to the people that are involved in the community for yeah. sure and there have been some amazing ideas that have come out of the community that we have immediately acted upon and been like, yep, hundred percent. We're going to do that three days later. Here you go. So, you know, a really good example of that is the photo booth. So there were a lot of people that were, you know, asking in the discord, Hey, can someone who has more art skill than me make this into a profile picture? I want it with a blue background and a, and a pink border. And so the community was attempting to support that. And we kind of, you know, all talked to each other as a team and said, Hey, we can actually just program that. And then they have their accessories set up the way that they want to do it. They can have like a starry background or whatever background color that they want. And then they can shoot out their profile pic in the proper size for Twitter or Discord or Reddit or wherever they wanted it. Brooks, you had something on that topic? Oh, was on, on that idea of the, the, uh, I was going to add on to that, but no, lost my train of thought. 
<laughs> okay, no problem. So let's talk about the the loot prints. Did I say that right? What is the name of it? Yeah, loot prints for moon cats. Okay, loot prints for moon cats. Obviously, yes. taking some inspiration from loot. Uh, I'm yes. glad that I acclimated my cats in time. Although I didn't get it for free, I had to pay. Unfortunately, yeah. wasn't quick, but. I got them and I'm not sure what it is. So maybe tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, over the months um, since the official acclimated wrapper came out in April, we have kind of slowly but surely been giving out little um, bonuses for people that acclimate. And so this sort of big bonus was this new NFT, Loot Prints for Mooncats. It's a riff off of loot. And, um, you know, if you acclimated before a certain date and we picked one pretty arbitrarily, um, just to like have a, a date that we could bookmark and say, all right, everybody before this gets it for free, everybody after pays a small fee for it. Um, and so loot prints come in sort of four designations once they've been revealed. You can get a cruiser, you can get a tank, you can get a sub, or you can get the coveted mech. Mech is the most rare, and it actually looks like a cat which kind of excites us. So Brooks <laughs> designed all of these. They're all, they all look vaguely like um, some sort of cat or cat adjacent animal. So the tank is actually a little mousy. Um, and the, the cruiser's a catfish. And so um, in addition to that, when your loot print is revealed, it will have either three, four or five bays. And sort of uh, the color of your loot print is the complementary color to your moon cat. And the mint ID is the same as your Mooncat. So if you had Mooncat 67, you get Loot Print 67. And we haven't totally revealed what Loot Prints are for yet, but if you look at the Mooncat roadmap, you will see two projects on it. One is called Project Sports Ball and the other one is called Deep Space. And Loot Prints will actually have utility in both of those projects. Okay, okay. And the idea of going off of yeah, the original loot project, which people got excited about, we noticed the the original loot project is yeah, just words and from their premise and tagline of do whatever you want with it. And their community building is more the the imagination of, well, what can we do with this? Yeah, what would what do we find intriguing about this as a community? Um, and so we wanted to kind of capture that idea of it gives a a small piece of it, whereas like, yeah, the loot, the loot project originally is just words. It doesn't give you more. It's the building blocks to learn upon or to grow upon. And that kind of fits well with the whole Ethereum ecosystem of like the open source code of lots of these things are, you know, money Legos or project Legos that you can build on top of things. Um, and from my experience working in more traditional software development as well, you know, it's sometimes hard of when you have a roadmap of, you know, a project that you're trying to get to. And you know you have list of features, but you need to get to some like minimum viable product before you can release the thing. We're seeing more in the crypto space these ideas where yeah you could release a little part of it. And so yes, we haven't said exactly what you know all of these features on the loot prints do, and but we're continuing to iterate on those. And we have ideas, and we're still working towards those. But it's a neat way to kind of release something that's halfway halfway done in that sense of the concept is there and we've locked in this much of what we want to do with it and we can now give that to the community while we're continuing to work on the next steps there which is something that in traditional software development you can't really release half an application very well to to the community 
And so it is a little bit of challenge to the community of like, do you guys trust us to follow through with this? Because you only have until the end of October to mint these and you won't get an opportunity to use them until next year. So do you trust the Mooncat developers to iterate on this project? If so, mint your blueprints because you'll regret it if you don't. All right, I blindly trust you. I've minted them. Yay! <laughs> um, on the topic of kind of composability, building on top, we talked a lot about how you built on top of the cats. Have you done anything outside of the cats, like in order to integrate with other NFT project or other DeFi projects, anything like that? So there's actually some projects that we are talking to right now where we're going to be doing some um, like mutual cross promotion. And it is going to involve like the boutique and um, potentially loot prints and potentially other projects in the future. Um, we do actually have another one on our roadmap where we um, are going to be doing what's called Mooncap Pop. And that was developed by someone outside of the Ponderware team. And then they came to us and said, hey, do you want to collaborate on this? So um, it's coming in October. Yes. And the idea is, is if you own an acclimated Mooncat, you can buy a Mooncat Pop vending machine. And that vending machine will dispense 100 cans that have your Mooncat on it. And these are all NFTs. And so the, the sort of um, fun part of the Mooncat Pop system is um, once you buy the vending machine, any of the sales on the Mooncat Pop cans um, go to the person that owns the vending machine. They don't go to Ponderware. So you can actually make your money back on that vending machine and more if you get all of your canceled. Hmm. Interesting. So you can sell some cans. That's, yep. that's interesting. Um, or I guess possibly to clarify on that would, of whether or not there'd be royalty fees uh, on secondary sales piece of it there. But yeah, the idea of that you, it's another opportunity for like setting a brand of if you buy the vending machine, of your moon cat and you now want to encourage other people to get this this digital soda can of your moon cat of why would someone want your moon cat as opposed to another soda can it lets you set your brand and then there's also then these can nfts that can be used for the moon cat owner for their own community building of they can add more value to that however they want to for their own community building um as a project piece there so again continuing kind of the tradition of making the platform for others to to build upon uh, as a way to, to foster that sort of community. We also recently released the Mooncat license, um, which explains your commercial rights, which is you have them, go make stuff with your Mooncat on it. Um, let's dive into that a little bit more. So I have the Mooncat, so I can go ahead and let's say make t-shirts and then sell those t-shirts? 100%, go for it. Send us okay. the link, we wanna buy one. <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so, and then what if someone wants to make um, a service where people come to you and they're like, I want to print my Mooncat on a t-shirt. Is that okay? Sure. I think so. What do you think, Brooks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think for what you're describing there, I think the idea is that we do want to allow, yeah, if you own, you know, Mooncat A, that the graphical representation of Mooncat A you can use in a commercial product, whether it's you as that owner putting it on like a print on demand 
you know, uploading it to a print-on-demand site where, yes, the, the print-on-demand site would be getting a commission off of it, but you as the owner of it can allow that to happen and indeed, and also, you know, charge whatever commission you want uh, for coffee cups with your Mooncat on it, uh, that yes, the license does permit you to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, the whole licensing NFTs is kind of a, a developing space. Let's put it that way. We've seen Larva Labs recently. They signed um, an agreement for with some agency for the crypto punks. Who knows? Maybe they're going to make some movies. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but um, hopefully we'll see some more development where people can actually have IP over the NFTs themselves. And another interesting project that just came out kind of tangentially was the Save Hawaii, where this person had created this photograph and it just got picked up by all the search engines and it was displayed number one, it got millions of views, et cetera. But the original artist never actually got any royalties from it or very few. So they minted this NFT and then that allowed anyone, you know, the owner of this particular photo to monetize it or now essentially it's a way for the artist to recoup some of those uh, IP. So, so yeah. it's, and it's that one of, and then being very clear, I remember seeing that one uh, advertised or commented on an, a news article, but that they were very upfront with whoever buys this NFT, it, the artwork of it will be then be released to the public domain so that by owning or purchasing the NFT version of it, you're not getting like exclusive commercial rights to this graphic. The whole point of it is it will then become public domain. And so I think that's an interesting aspect of the NFT space that really people understanding that an NFT is really just a serial number on a thing. And so when you just say this thing is an NFT, you haven't really said enough yet to determine what the thing is. And yeah, people being very clear about, oh, if you buy this one, you get warm fuzzies and that's it. This one, you get a graphic. This one, you get commercial rights to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, this one, or look, Miriam Webster gave the NFT of the definition of NFT from their perspective as a dictionary and very clearly laid out, if you purchase this NFT, we will attribute you in the definition of NFT in our, our dictionary. And so, yeah, having that very clearly spelled out along with the NFT uh, will hopefully become important to consumers and being able to be aware of what they're actually uh, getting involved in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is kind of random, but are those Magic the Gathering cards behind you? On the they definitely side? are. Yeah. Nice, nice. I, it's a little blurry, but I can still <laughs> spot it. Fantastic. <laughs> many, uh, so, yes. many, many moons ago, Brooks used to work at Wizards of the Coast, or I guess volunteered? Uh, I did work for them um, as an online community moderator. So yeah, I was one of their remote employees um, back in the day. Um, and yes, that's one of the, the hobbies that I have, have continued. Um, and so yes, enjoy... Uh, dealing with the art and playing with the decks as well uh, for for that hobby and also seeing that there's a lot of overlap in the crypto space also going all the way back to like Mount Gox being one of the first exchanges um, that the the amount of Magic the Gathering people you bump into in the crypto space is is higher than average. And um, they didn't actually know each other when they worked at Wizards of the Coast, but Kimonas, um, one of the original artists for the boutique, um, does Magic the Gathering card art. And so Amen. there's like this weird intersection of NFTs and Mooncats and Wizards of the Coast that you wouldn't know unless you were part of the community. That's, an, that's incredible. One of my dreams is to have some sort of 
Magic the Gathering draft DAO, where like every week there's like a draft and you win some tokens or whatever. I don't know. I think it would. So that we got to be amazing, right? Uh, we got to start the Mooncat Draft League. Come on, what, what are we there waiting we for? <laughs> um, very cool. So. You know, generally speaking, what is the vision of the Mooncats? It started a long time ago, and I'm sure that it has changed a lot. But what are you striving to accomplish at this point? Yeah, for right now, it's the taking the the premise of the company of of we love cats um, piece of it. A lot of the um, growth that we've been striving to do since the rediscovering, realizing there is a community. Some of the initial things that we set out for the community were just the stability of the community, making sure it had information, you know, making the acclimated wrapper that, you know, that you can actually interact with the Mooncats, you know, going forward. And so the, the near-term roadmap has been mostly adding, you know, value to if you enjoy having this companion, what can you do with this companion? And making sure that there is uh, as many aspects of value that we can give to it from you can appreciate the artwork, you can dress it up to more completely match your style. And also, you know, if there's gamification options or other utilities that we can add to it uh, to assess those options as they become available, that embracing the idea that this NFT is essentially a lifetime membership pass and the what, what you have a membership to, we can continue to add uh, value and interest to. And you know, we definitely think about like, um, what value can we bring uh, both as developers and as a community to owning a Mooncat? You know, we always want to continue rewarding the people that are holding their Mooncats, or we say cuddling their Mooncats. And so, you know, if you are a Mooncat owner, you know, we, we like the cats. We want you to like the cats. What can we do to make you love your cats even more? And so, you know, for us, we, we have been super lucky in that our community is really welcoming. It's really positive. It's very forward focused. If you come into the Discord and you have a question, there's like 16 people there that are jumping up and down, you know, excited to answer it for you. You know, I try to communicate with people absolutely every single day. I'm always on the Discord answering questions. You know, I'm always bringing things back and forth um, to the development team from the development team. And so I just, I'm just happy with how positive our community is. We like the cats. It's, it, it, it's a silly mantra, but like it definitely drives us to do good every day. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm curious if you, you kind of outlined three audiences uh, within the community, maybe original rescuers, people who have bought a cat and people who have not bought a cat but are interested. I'm curious, um, do you market to these people or is it more like we're just creating value and that itself is the marketing? Um, curious how you're approaching that. Um, I think it's a little of column A and a little bit of column B. You know, um, there always has to be outreach to people that are outside of the Mooncat lore, outside of that connected Mooncat universe, and to bring them into that. And it's been really exciting to like slowly see the number of unique wallets that own a Mooncat over time grow and grow. And so I think um, 
uh, OpenSeas has something like 4,600 right now out of 25,000 mooncats. The average person that has a mooncat has 3.97 mooncats. And so, you know, there's this running joke within the community that's like, well, you can't adopt just one. You have to get like, you know, four. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because it, it is very much like uh, uh, certain other collectibles are like getting a tattoo. Like you can't get just one. Once you're in, you you want more cats. And so, you know, I, I definitely have a slightly different type of messaging for those people than I have for someone that's like, I'm, you know, casually adjacent in cryptocurrency. I haven't bought an NFT yet. I like the cats. How do I get one? And so, you know, there, we always talk about as a dev team, like, how do we bring in more people? How do we educate people on the history of moon cats? Because that is really important to us particularly as like a classic project that kind of existed before the term NFT did. There's, I guess there's a responsibility that comes with being an archeology span rediscovery that we really want to honor. How do you, how do you do that? How do you communicate that message? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> that's hard to elaborate on. I guess um, looking for people asking questions is absolutely the big one. You know, definitely keeping a pulse on like, what's the latest hashtag that the NFT community is using? What are the NFTs that people are buying right now? What do people that have Mooncats have in their wallet that might be of interest? You know, they're, you know, do people have an adorable Corgi in their wallet? Is the adorable Corgi um, community interested in also having a Mooncat? And so, I don't know. Describing that is hard. <laughs> I don't think about the process a lot. It's just something that I've kind of done for so many years. I do it without thinking. Sorry. That's okay. No need to apologize. <laughs> Seems like it's going well so far. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Canadian. I'm, I'm required by birth to apologize for things. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Brooks, you had I something have... on that? Oh, yeah. Just in terms of the, the different types of community members, I think we do have kind of the the people who definitely value it as the archaeological find, um, or when we treat it as like, you know, a toy collectible, the mint in the box sort of mentality of keep the thing pristine and finding value in the pristineness of it versus people who are more open to, oh, I had I've I bought a toy, I want to play with it, sort of mentality. Um, and so in a lot of our our techniques and the way we've been doing things to make sure that both sides do have an opportunity. We have given opportunity for there is technical ways to go back or to to have the various different states. Um, so like the idea of you can unacclimate a cat, but and to get back to that original older token format, which like doesn't work with some of the modern NFT marketplaces, but is still the original asset. But we as a company, because we're trying to focus on moving forward with it, don't make a nice web UI for it, but it is available for those who wish to pursue that route. Um, so that idea of like not having a hard no on them, um, even if it's something that we as a team where we want to creatively focus on is not specific to uh, what the community members are wanting, even the minority community members who may want to have it a different way, still providing a technical way for them to get to that if they choose to, um, but also catering towards, you know, a lot of the requests are coming for these sorts of things. So yeah, a balancing act there but also the nature of the open crypto space of providing different means and being able to say, well, yeah, it's a platform and build what you want on it. Even if we as a team don't build it, there might be others who build upon it 
and choose to do it their own way. Uh, like an example that the the Cuddle game, Cuddle Finance, was a completely separate dev team that saw, oh, these are some assets that are on the blockchain. We'll respect the ownership of those assets, the Mooncats, and make a, a game on top of it. Uh, and as long as we collaborated with them to make sure they were continuing to honor, you know, like the ownership of it um, and actually show, yeah, it is a, this Mooncat is owned by you. And that translates into the game aspect of it. And then they had more free reign of how does the game actually function um, that was separate from the Ponderware team. And that applies to metaverses as well. So um, you can go to Isotile and you can display your Mooncat um, in 2D on the walls of your Isotile room, or you can actually buy the 3D model of it and it can walk around your room. You can only buy the 3D model of a Mooncat that you own in your wallet. And you know we are working with the Sandbox. We purchased a significantly sized lot, and you know we are working with the Sandbox development team to ensure that one to one, I own Mooncat one nine seven nine zero, and um, that is the only Mooncat that I can have the three D model of in the game. Yeah, how so you how are you guys approaching uh, the metaverse? Do you envision the cats? Um, spending lots of time there. I mean, this seems like where crypto is headed in many ways. Um, just... No, I'm, I'm laughing because going into the metaverse has posed us questions that we actually never thought to ask before, because we're going to have to make 3D models of a moon cat that walk around in sandbox. Wait, how big is a moon cat? <laughs> <laughs> when you are in the metaverse with your moon cat, are you walking your moon cat? Are you seeing out of the eyes of your moon cat? What perspective do you have on your moon cat from your moon cat of your moon cat? Oh no, we haven't thought about any of these things before. And now we're going to have to, what's the size of a moon cat? Uh, let's figure it out. Because like, if you're a bored ape, that's cool. You walk around as your bored ape. It has, you know, bipedal, um, thing, you know, motion and it has a body and same thing with crypto punks where, yeah, it's technically the head, but lots of other people have made bodies for it. And so you understand this is a bipedal thing that you are going to walk around as in the metaverse, but moon cats are more nebulous. So we're making decisions and that will impact how you interact with them in the uh, greater metaverse. It's gotta be like, Either you can walk them or you can be a moon cat. It's like right. you and, gotta have and, different like, POVs. <laughs> for sure. And like which one of those makes sense? Do we want to offer both of them? What's the what is the sandbox metaverse going to look like from six inches above the ground? Are moon cats small? Are moon cats big? Are they a house cat? Are they a lion? We don't know yet. We're gonna have to think know. about it. I like the idea of just warping your consciousness into different moon cats. Like, so you can like see from their perspective or it's like, maybe it's a spy tool or something. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, you know, this is something that we are definitely going to be going to the community and being like, all right, these are the potential ideas. Which ones would you guys be most interested in? And we'll probably develop off of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot, uh, kind of the same thing. It's it's tapping into the community consciousness, picking at those threads that people want to see. That is the job. You don't have to come up with crazy ideas every day. It's really honing in on the ideas that are already there and, and trying to bring them to life. A hundred percent. 
And Mooncats are so much better for the ideas that come out of our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you, this is a question, I don't know, for either one of you, but if you had a billboard in a highly trafficked area, maybe Times Square, where, what would you put on the billboard? Moon cat zero. <laughs> I was say, he, he would probably sneak onto it regardless of our plans for it. Um, so as part of the moon cat lore, we have uh, moon cat number zero minted. So it was the very first moon cat that was created. And we have like built this personality around this moon cat. So there is a moon cat zero Twitter account. Um, he knocked over coffee. Um, and that is what spawned the loot prints for moon cats movement. Um, he's kind of winded his way into the lore in sort of a fun and interesting way. And so he, he would definitely show up on, on a billboard in his mech with his, uh, with his birthday hat on. I like it. And as, so the lore seems like a very important part of this whole, um, community. Is there like a wiki? How do you compile this information? Is it constantly evolving? Is there like a canon that, that you stick to? Yeah, so some of this, um, for the moment, we've kind of kept internally because we didn't have a good space and a, a chunk of time to put it out into the public consciousness. Um, that is actually something that is changing. So we're going to be doing a website overhaul and there's going to be a lot more lore coming down the pipe um, soon, TM. Mm -hmm. yeah, and there has been the original Mooncat Rescue site did have a blog or rather a log following the kind of space theme of Captain's Log or Starship Log, um, which, you know, gave some sort of time points for what happened in in the lore in the story. Um, and that has continued on the uh, Mooncat community site as yeah, for each of the applications that we've launched as part of the like in-depth explanation of what this thing is, is we have an FAQ, which is the more, you know, human user understanding of how do you interact with the thing. But each one does also have a log post about, you know, in lore, you know, acclimating, you know, what was the the story parts that led up to the need to have the Mooncats be acclimated for the loot prints, you know, what was the discovery that led to these these printed plans for spaceships being, you know, a thing that now exists in the the our you know, metaverse or universe of that lore. And so, yeah, the, the idea of kind of having those two voices of the, the user experience of you as a, as a human interacting with it, and also the in-universe ones, but also the in-universe logs referencing Ethereans and Mooncats as, as interacting with each other in that space. Uh, yeah, the main difference there is just the in, in lore version is there's no computer interface between you interacting with your Mooncat, whereas the FAQs, we have to kind of talk about hardware wallets and how do you technically do the things that we're describing you do. And I think part of that sort of lore piece is what attracts um, some people who wouldn't otherwise be interested in crypto into the Mooncats universe. And in fact, we have um, an NFT that we bought. It's an essay of someone that Mooncats was their very first NFT, and they have since like 100% gotten into the world of NFTs. They work at the Rainbow Wallet. They paid off their house with the money that they have made off of NFTs. And so like Mooncats was the gateway into this universe that has completely changed their life. And we actually hear that a lot in the Mooncat community. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why, um, it, it's interesting how people are 
what what makes the switch from a non-NFT -er to an NFT? -er? I mean, there has to be a moment where you purchase your first one, where you learn about it. And I wonder if there's something unique about the Mooncats that um, can help make that transition. I think the lore definitely helps because we have all of these like cute and kind of easily understood terms that go with um, a typical NFT action. So you don't mint mooncats, you rescued them from the moon. And now that they've all been rescued, you don't buy or sell a mooncat, you adopt a mooncat. And if you're holding onto it, that's an adoption. And if you're just hanging onto it and planning on flipping it, you're fostering a mooncat. And so, you know, we have all of this like in universe lore that I think makes like the dry and cut technical aspects of NFTs feel a little warmer. And, you know, you don't burn keys for a moon cat. They took the path of the heroes. Of course. They did. And also the idea of as people, if they've made the leap, at least to in the crypto space, then working with NFTs as, as membership to other experiences that, yeah, I think finding an NFT that matches what you're interested in, there's now becoming so many different options that if you're the sort of person who is looking for fine art to hang on your walls, you know, there are fine artists who are making NFTs that are literally a, a gorgeous graphic intended to be, you know, admired for the graphic itself. Um, and some that are, you know, animations, and now we're getting the digital frames that you can display, you know, the artwork that you wish to portray it. But if you're not the sort of person who's just in it for the art, there's, you know, gamification aspects all the way from like Gods Unchained um, and, you know, Neon District that are doing, you know, the NFT is a game element that the primary use is in game, but you could also hang it on the wall if you wanted to. You can, in your crypto voxel space, you can put a Gods Unchained card on the wall if you wish to treat it as art, but those sort of ones appeal to people who are more looking for the gamification aspects, but both are NFTs. And so we're starting to get into this idea of if you've made the step of actually learning how to deal with the crypto wallet and how to see if you have an NFT, then it's the idea of, are you into collecting sports things? There's NBA Top Shots. Are you into art? There's fine arts ones. Are you into games? That we're starting to get these niches of the things that you're collecting alongside. Collecting as a human nature can appeal to a lot of people. And now we're starting to see a wide enough community that you can find a community for collecting Lots of different sorts of things now in the crypto space. And I think for me, sort of like the eye-opening experience was a few weeks ago, my uh, older brother called me up and my older brother is not technologically inclined in the least. Um, he has a laptop that I bought for him because he was clueless about how to buy it. He calls me up and he says, what's an NFT? And I sort of just sat there stunned for a minute because I was like, how do you even know that word? Like, you're not even, you're barely on the internet. What's going on? He says, well, I was watching the Jays and they mentioned that you can buy an NFT and that gets you um, tickets to the stand. So tell me what an NFT is because I want to get the Jays tickets. And I was like, whoa, the MLB is putting out NFTs. And sure enough, they are. And like that utility, I think is going to be a really exciting way to get people that are not technologically inclined into that space. And from there, they can buy a moon cat. They can ape into, you know, yacht clubs. They can do everything that we all do now uh, that they're just not aware of. Recently, um, Sotheby's or Christie's, which one? Sotheby's. Uh, Sotheby's. 
yes. um, announced that they would be doing an auction. I'm yes. curious how that transpired. Did they reach out to you guys? Do they just kind of buy a few and then they're like, okay, now we're doing this. I'm just interested how that process went down. Um, so the interesting thing is that was actually prompted um, from members of the community, um, in particular, Cat Dad or Jake, who has been sort of the primary spearhead for all of this. And so, you know, uh, the community saw like, hey, Sotheby's is doing NFT auctions, Christie's is doing NFT auctions, they like hired someone to explicitly research NFTs. And so, you know, there, there was this conversation where Noah from Christie's mentioned that he was looking at NFTs and maybe a moon cat and cat dad sort of came along and said, Hey, I have a full set of moon cats, one 2017, one 2018, one 2019, one 2020, and one from 2021 during the rediscovery. Are you guys interested in a package? And Noah was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally interested. Let's talk. And so it, he's kind of been mum on that. We, we know that they're talking. We haven't heard anything about an official auction yet. We know that another member of the community, Pentashi, is also talking to Christie's. He's um, interested in selling his white Genesis Mooncat um, for them to auction. And then kind of out of nowhere, all of a sudden Sotheby's announces, hey, we've been working with Cat Dad. We are going to have three um, day one mints available in a package auction for the middle of October. And so... There's a little bit behind the scenes that um, we've been doing, you know, cat dad just wanted to fact check some stuff with us, making sure he wasn't saying things that were like completely out of line for the project and making sure some uh, historical and factual things were accurate. But beyond that, I mean, we've kind of been like along for the ride along with the community because they are moon cats owned by cat dad. They're not owned by Ponderware. And so we're just loving seeing it happen. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. That, uh, just kind of organically some individuals wanted to sell their moon cats and kind of worked out that way it's pretty cool um so after listening to this conversation how would you like the listeners to take action um the best way to get involved in the moon cats community besides obviously adopting a moon cat is to hit up our twitter we are at ponderware at p-o-n-d-e-r W-A-R-E. And from there, you can get connected to our um, Discord. And Discord is the place to be. Twitter and Discord are two primary communications. Um, if you're on Reddit, you can go to our Mooncat Rescue. Um, we post there pretty regularly as well. So come see us. We're fun. We like the cats. <laughs> Brooks, any, any parting messages from you? Yeah, it's it's a great community to be to be a part of, and and yes, I would just echo the uh, come on and and have a chat, even if you're not a, in a position where you're wanting to to own a mooncat yourself or adopt uh, a mooncat. Um, lots of great conversations around um, as the technology and the the culture around the crypto space as well. That's one of that I have also very much enjoyed for our community of the focusing on helping each other um, and going through going through the process together. Um, of being more involved in the crypto space um, has been a great experience to do. So yes, we would love to, to see you and chat more with you. Okay, well, Brooks and Marie, thank you very much for taking the time today. I'm very excited. I'm more excited about the cats now than ever. Maybe I gotta, I gotta think of something I can do with my cats, maybe hang them on the wall or something. But uh, thank you again for taking the time. 
Uh, it was really enjoyable and um, hope to see great, great things for the Mooncats, especially with these loot prints. You gave me a little, little tease over here. October and November is definitely going to be interesting for the Mooncats. We are attending NFT NYC in November, and uh, we're going to be doing our very first IRL Mooncats meetup. Nice, so nice. Very cool. Hopefully we'll see lots of Mooncatters there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks again, guys, and good luck with the project and looking forward to speaking to you again. Excellent. Thanks for having us.